0: Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Oh boy, do we have a big one. My pal Luis J. Gomez is in studio again because Matt Serra is still on vacation, fucking around in Florida, not doing his job. And uh, we have Thomas Hayden Church comes in. Really a lot of fun, a phenomenal voice. I actually just wanted him to whisper sexy things in my ear while I pound my pud. His but that whisper. didn't happen.
1: What's that? His thunder whispering. That's
0: right, thunder whispering. Very attractive. And uh, Dan Henderson calls in from England. Really fun. Why did I have to say from England? Nobody gives a shit. UFC and Digital Media present UFC Unfiltered
2: with Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Powered by Digital Media. Find your
0: voice. And now, your hosts, Jim Norton and Matt Serra. Jim Norton here with uh, my pal Luis J. Gomez. Matt's in the hospital having his feet scraped, so he won't be on today. (laughs) Or maybe we'll call him from the hospital and see how he's doing. People enjoyed our podcast. That it was fun having you. Uh, as a, I mean, I know Lewis for so long, so it was it was yeah,
1: fun. yeah. I uh, I was I was terrified to be honest with you because of uh, I thought I was going to get a bunch of haters. Why? Um, well, you know, you know the the Opie and Anthony crowd that is, uh, I assume followed you over to UFC Unfiltered. You know, they hate me as it is. They hate me too. Yeah, but <laughs> it's kind of funny. They literally they hate you yet to listen to every word you say on everything you do. Um, But what I realized is, and I was talking to Chris about this before the show, anybody who's followed you over to UFC unfiltered, it's a pretty, pretty good chance that they're a big MMA fan. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have to be pretty committed to this sport to come over. And I, I mean, I think we have a palpable conversation where if you're not a huge fan of the sport, you can still enjoy the podcast, but these are hardcore MMA fans. So I am assuming the reason that there was absolutely no hate and nothing but positive feedback was just because... You know, these guys, they get to listen in a conversation of two legitimate fans. There's no egos here. We're not pretending to be analysts. We're not pretending to know more than anybody else. And, uh, yeah, it was a very positive experience overall.
0: Yeah, I don't think the ONA fans hate you. I mean, they're they're pretty hardcore. They get very angry at us as well. Yeah. Uh, They hate Opie one day. They hate me the other day. Anthony, you know, they're very fickle. Yeah. But, um, you know, and now that our show is broken apart two years ago, it's... Interesting to watch them all scatter with machetes to attack us.
1: <laughs> Dude, somebody wrote that about your your fans? Uh, it was it was like a blog or something, but they were just talking about how you guys had these fucking crazy hardcore fans. The you know the uh, the 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 pests that would go and they would you know jocktober other radio shows and they would destroy people online and you guys kind of created this empire of these assholes that followed you guys, which is awesome. When they're on your side, it is absolutely awesome. But when you guys broke up, I I wish I knew the blog, but they described it as they were like, they created this, like, army of people that once you guys broke up, started to eat Opie and Anthony from the inside out.
0: Yeah, it was. but Opie called that a long time ago. You know, um, he would say that eventually these guys are going to turn, you know... Um, And it was just the way the the breakup And the way the breakup was handled It's a very odd thing How fans see things They're really dumb with some things And other times they're like wow They're smart, they're perceptive They picked it up so, you know, they, they saw a lot of bullshit and they called it. And in a lot of cases, they were right.
1: How, how often do you, when you're doing radio, because I find this all the time, it's like the fans, they don't get it right all the time. But then you realize all you got to do is kind of change the narrative. If you just say the words out loud for the narrative that you want to be out there, all you got to do is say it. Then all of a sudden, everybody thinks that way.
0: You know, I find it like a lot of times, no matter what I say, I can't change. That's the frustrating part. Like, you'll say something like, I don't mind. Like, I got into it with a guy in DM last night. Nothing terrible. And I don't mind if a fan goes, like, a fan goes, hey, like I'm doing the new morning show with Sam Roberts A series. If they go, your new morning show stinks, you're not funny. I can't change that and that's 100% accurate for you to say. Yeah. It's fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you think I stink. But if people are like, this is why you're doing this, and you like when they start to tell you why you did something, yeah. it's like, no, I'll Were be they're honest. they're looking
1: for the subtext.
0: Yeah, it's like, I'll be honest about my own subtext. I, I'm not going to lie to you. For, yeah. like, why, for what would I lie? For what would I lie? Maybe that's... I don't even need to speak honestly <laughs> anymore on the radio. For why shall I lie? <laughs> Fucking Shakespearean twat I am. But it's a fine relationship. Even the ones that hate us, even the ones that have turned and will never come back, or never liked us to begin with, yeah. or just went to... Pe- I still have an odd affection for them because I know that in some way I'm important to them too. Even if it's in a negative way, even if they're like, we don't like Jim or stand up stinks or whatever it is. I know that we have some kind of a relationship. It's like, and, and it, people always say, well, it's better to be, uh, the worst thing you can be in, in entertainment is ignored. Yeah. And I really mean that like the people who don't, no one talks about, that's bad. But if people have a visceral reaction to you, you always want them to like you. We all lie and go, we don't care. Of course we care. That's why I, we're doing this. That's so. why we do this. I would much rather have people like me than dislike me. Yeah. Or I wouldn't be a performer. I tap dance and beg. Hi, <laughs> hi, hi, hi. <laughs> I want you to laugh and smile and pat me on the head. Well, do you, I think <laughs> I, I notice
1: that, like, especially with an ensemble show like Opie and Anthony or Legion of Skanks, my podcast, which I, which I do with Big J Ogersen, which and Dave is Smith. good,
0: by the way. You guys have that fucking raw energy which people like.
1: Yeah. Well, when you when you when you're looking at this kind of ensemble, it really is a dance I'm between ensemble, everybody.
0: Ensemble, Just Keep saying ensemble. <laughs>
1: We have this ensemble-like cast. But you're right. Um, what happens is you realize that there's also villains in that cast as well. Like, you're watching Game of Thrones. Like, I hate Prince Joffrey, right? But he's still such an important part of that show. It wouldn't be Game of Thrones without that show. Yeah. So I think a lot of the times, even the fans that hate you but love the show, because I that's something I struggled with a lot in the beginning. I was like, dude, how are you telling me you hate me that you're listening to me for two hours every single day, you know? But then you realize, oh, they love the show and they love the mix of everything. They don't have to necessarily love the sound guy or, or the lead host or whoever else. It's the, about the chemistry and the dance that you're watching.
0: That's a really good point, too, because when you watch Game of Thrones, you're right. Joffrey is the most hateable. Yeah. But I always enjoyed his scenes. I loved watching, um, I forget the actor's name, Jack Gleeson. Uh, I think he retired from acting after that. He was so great as Joffrey. Yeah. And sometimes the person you hate, you'll turn around and start liking for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, or sometimes you don't. Like, I, um, you know, a spoiler coming up. So if you don't want to hear a Game of Thrones spoiler, shove your fucking head in the toilet and flush for 30 seconds. But when he got killed off, I was bummed out because I, he's such a great shithead. Yeah. That I'm going to miss him. And I did miss him.
1: That's actually a sign of how great that show is and how great the writing is because they kill all these people off that you, you either love or you hate, but you have that they're visceral important. reaction, like really, yeah. you know, connected to these characters. Um, and then yet three episodes later, you forget that they're dead. You know, yeah. that was a great moment where, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember the the very end of the episode, but earlier in the episode... Um, the one guy, the real asshole, had the he fed the girl and the baby to the dogs.
0: Oh, I love that guy,
1: Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey. So he feeds the girl and the baby to the dogs, and then the episode ends with like the dragons appearing. And I remember, dude, I just didn't give a shit about that baby that I just watched eaten yeah. to death by dogs. And I was like, that is a sign of great writing because I don't give a fuck about that baby anymore. All I want to do is see more dragons.
0: I remember criticizing something in Game of Thrones story wise. I'm like, yeah, why would this? And then I'm like, oh, how come you don't criticize the dead ice people or the <laughs> fact that there's a dragon, you fucking cluck? <laughs> I'm so stupid. Yeah. Pick my battles. <laughs> but speaking of dragon slaying, Henderson, Bisbee, is there anything worse than a segue? Oh, man. We have uh, today, Let's call Matt. that. We got a fun show today, man. We have uh, Thomas Hayden Church coming in to promote his new show called Divorce. And I saw a lot of it. I did not see the entire thing because uh, HBO needs to set on better links. Yeah. Uh, Because my link got fucked up. And I'm going to complain angrily to Thomas Hayden Church. Very good actor. And uh, also we have uh, Dan Henderson calling in on the phone. Dan Henderson, I was talking about last night, is a fucking Neanderthal. He is a really... Like, I liked it just being... When we talked to him the other day, who was hilarious gave him such respect for being... What did he call him? A hard guy? He was hard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was uh, respecting how tough Henderson is. Yeah. He is a brutally tough guy. He's a bar fight tough guy. Like, that's how I always equate it. How good would this guy do in a bar fight? And then Bisping just said that. Like, he would handle himself in a bar. But his upper body... The way his shoulders are. Just a fucking tough guy. Just a guy who hits his thumb with a
1: hammer and doesn't care. Yes. Like, if I hit my thumb with a hammer, you're going to watch me jump up and down and shake my hand for like 10 minutes and cry like a baby. Dan Henderson, that's just a day in the life of being a fucking man.
0: Well, Romero has an upper body like that, but much bigger than Henderson. It's a weird comparison, Dan Henderson and Joel Romero. But I just looking at the upper body and the way, like, the top of the shoulders are, like, just fucking structured like a monster. Henderson's a frightening guy. Dan
1: Henderson's got the, the, like, the, uh, that like you're you're fucking his daughter and you don't want to get caught by him vibe. Like, you know, in high school, like he's got like a hot daughter.
0: He's the he's the scary dad.
1: Yeah, scary dad. Pl- don't give him that he Has a shotgun that just sits on the on his front porch. Chris panics. We know
0: we have Matt on the phone. Hi Matt. <laughs> oh mm-hmm.
2: I was just drinking my fucking coffee when I I was hearing
0: Who's fucking, who's daughter? What's going on? Oh, yeah. He was just saying, we're talking about Dan Henderson's scary energy. And he just has that, like, that was in high school. The dad, like, you're, you know, you're over the house, and that's the scary dad energy. Like, we're just saying what a frightening guy Dan Henderson really is.
2: Yeah, he really is. He's really, you know what he looks like? You ever seen Maniac Cop? You ever see that movie from the fucking, you ever see Maniac Cop? It's I have cool not. fucking horror movie. Oh, no, it's horrible. It's a horrible movie. You're going to have to Google it, but you're going to see the fucking guy, and you're going to go, holy fuck. This guy's based on Dan Henderson. And it has nothing to do. It's the, the, the fucking, unless you've seen the movie, a guy's going to get that reference, and they're going to tweet it, and it's going to fucking hit big. I'm That's you. funny. It really guys, does look, look like new? Dan
0: Henderson. Yeah, we're the looking at the really picture, does. yeah. <laughs> Google it, Google oh, my Google God. that shit. Yeah, we got it right now. Is
2: Chris the producer on it? Is he doing it?
0: No, not at all. He's actually making the yawn sign, and I'm like, Chris, fucking, <laughs> nah, he's being very fuck. rude.
2: Guys, let me tell you something. I listened to the last episode, and I got mixed feelings. It was too good. Lewis, get the fuck out of there! Get somebody else in. <laughs> You're killing it. You're killing it.
0: Yeah, Lewis is very good, man. But we, we you are very, very missed. Good. You know, I can enjoy you know a, a, f- a friend co-host and, and still miss my partner.
2: No, that's good. Yeah, it's good, man. It's like enjoying your side piece, but then you enjoy your wife. I don't know about that shit. But
0: guys, <laughs> yeah, but who? I mean,
1: who? <laughs> who enjoys their wife more than their side piece? That's a bad comparison, Matt.
2: Yeah, why? Well, I, I, you know what? I can't even relate to this conversation. That's but right, your Matt's one hundred percent. Hey, hey, Lewis, When did you and Mike, uh, Michael, start your podcast?
1: Uh it's a radio show, Matt, and we started <laughs> it. I would say it's about a year ago now. We've been doing it. Okay, yeah, something I like mean, that. I mean,
2: basically, basically, we're a fucking radio show too, because we have no, you know, we have pictures. John comes in once in a while and snaps some pictures. No, no, nah, nah, I call you guys but more of a podcast.
0: Really. We're more of a a, blo- a blossoming empire. <laughs> We're an MMA I, I, empire. I, I'd call it that, if anything. Well, there's the, the, the big trifecta now of fighter,
1: comedian, broadcasting programs, we'll call them. Well, it's Fighter and the Kid, what? UFC Unfiltered, yeah. and then The Countdown with Michael Bisping and Luis Shea Gomez. What? Well, that's that fucking... You
2: always got to fucking throw your own fucking name in there with your fucking special K, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh don't forget the K.
0: The J. What is it? It's Louis a, J. It's a Louis J. J. But you, Matt,
1: you can call me whatever the fuck you want to call me. That's okay. i
2: call you fucking numb nuts. I'm only kidding. <laughs> listen. But what was I going to Louis, Lewis, this is my point, and you brought it up right there. Yo, me and Jimmy got this thing going, and people are always like, oh, look what they UFCs, they're copying uh, the fighter and the fucking kid, and... Dude, how come you guys never got no shit? What
1: no, we got that? we got shit about it as well. But I think because both of you guys are podcasts, I think people make that comparison a little more easily. Oh, I'm um, sorry,
2: you're a fucking prestigious
1: uh, radio. <laughs> that's <a> prestigious. <laughs> you literally threw two extra syllables into that word. But he, no, he's right, you know, man. I think that's you probably can why you
2: fucking eat a dick,
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude. I'll talk so you're much shit you're over t- the t- phone t- when t- you're in a hotel room in Florida, believe me. But if he was in studio, I would be sitting here with my dick tucked between my ass cheeks. I do, even when he's not in studio. Yeah. It's a fun way to sit.
0: But yeah, no, Matt, you know what it is? Maybe it is because we are both podcasts, or because, I think because we had the, I just say, we had the banner of the UFC. In original, oh. people were saying, oh, they're just going to be lap dogs for Dana. It's like, what do you want to, there's nothing I've said on this show or wanted to say that I haven't said. Yeah. There's not one thing I've been like, oh boy, I wish I could say that. I've just enjoyed it.
2: I think the, uh, the first episode, when you, somehow we got into talking about queefing I'm like, all right, we're unfiltered. We're good. You know? Yeah. So I was worried, because when they say unfiltered, I did not know if they meant it. Yeah, it has to be.
0: It has to be. They can't jump in and change things and then call it unfiltered, but they don't. I don't ever feel uh, stifled. And Dana, no one talks more shit on this show than Dana when he comes on. Dana talks more shit than anybody.
1: And it also seems like the UFC and Dana White also have a new appreciation for podcasting, because I was talking to Josh from UFC who by the way josh I've known that guy for years. He used to work in comedy before he he ended up going from the stand, opening the stand working with the UFC gym and then working with the UFC.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's he's I been, know he's been,
1: I've known him for a really long time, but he hit me up and he was like, dude, he was like Dana and the UFC are loving podcasts right now. They love the fact that the fighters are all starting podcasts. The, the fighters are going on and guessing because a year and a half ago, we tried to get fighters on my podcast, Legion of Skanks. And they were telling us that they couldn't do it because of the type of content that was involved with all the show. Right. And I think that they've kind of loosened the reins a little bit because they see what, uh, what a great driving force for new fans it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're enjoying it, Matt. Am I right or wrong?
2: Dude, I'm calling you from Disney World. You understand? That's <laughs> how much I miss
0: it there. How it's is Disney, Disney World? world. The
2: happiest, some say the happiest place on earth.
0: Do you say that?
2: I, I don't know if I fucking say that. You ever go to Small World?
0: No, not, I've said that to people when I bump into them. <laughs> Or, or, or I've said that when I wound up finding out I fucked the same girl a guy did. What a small world! Who knew that that was your wife? I've said that many times when I got caught. So what are you doing down there? You got to be going crazy. How many days could you go to Disney World? Dude, my wife is insane. You know she books these things and and I I, I agree to stuff,
2: but then yeah, you know, I'm not. Listen, when you're married, uh, Lewis, you're not married, are you?
1: No, but I got a I got a baby mama, so I feel like that's worse.
2: You do got a baby mama. You know it's funny. We had that conversation before. I asked you that before.
1: I know I did when I was on your show. It was yeah. on
2: Lewis' show once. They never asked me back, but <laughs> they would whatever. love to in have in studio. You back. In studio. That was a good time. But uh what was the question again? Oh, yeah, when they say stuff, you know, sometimes you half listen, Jimmy, you know, and you agree to shit. Yep. And then you're like, "What? Five, 11 days? What? 11 days?"
1: That's a crazy and amount of time I, for that's
2: what, I, that's what I that's what I agreed to, man. I was told it was almost half a month.
1: Matt, do you are you getting like stir crazy with 11 days cuz if I go out of town even for like four or five days, if I'm not working, if I take a vacation, I, by day two or day three, I'm starting to lose my mind. Like I'm checking my phone constantly. I'm, I'm looking to actually get work done while I'm on vacation. Or do you let go completely and you're just on vacation?
2: Well, I let go in certain, in certain ways. Like, like, like we got like, I, I keep myself busy where I did set up. I did have that seminar the other day at my buddy John Burke School, Six Levels, Orlando. He's a hoist, Gracie, black belt. And, uh, that was really, and I uh, that's actually, it's so funny, man. I don't know if you guys feel that way about the comedy. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's funny it's like you get paid for doing something, it's not that it's not work, but you actually enjoy doing it. I mean, do right. you guys feel that way about the comedy or sometimes you get paid, like, fuck man, I made this in two hours and, and I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Yeah. it's I mean, a weird, you
0: feel like that. It's a weird job. It's, it's like, you know, even doing radio or any of this stuff. Even bad days at this, people don't want to hear about because it's so easy compared to what they do or, or so much fun compared to what they do. Like fighting is a hard job, but it's much more fun, I'm sure, to be in the gym and, and doing that if you want to do it than going into an office every day. And, you know, I'm lucky to not have to deal with a cubicle. I'm an uneducated dope. I fucking dropped out of high school. So I'm very happy to be doing something that really is fun and making money doing it.
1: Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing though because – There's so, and this is the same thing in fighting. I've talked to so many fighters at this point. There's so little money or reward except for you know completing a joke or or becoming a better fighter or training there's so little involved for the first for me a fucking decade before I started making any real money in comedy at all that if I were to break it down like yeah it's great I'll do a gig and I'll get a couple grand and I'm like oh this is awesome dude I I talked for 45 minutes and I got a couple grand that's nuts to me but then you break down the amount of time that I put into it without making anything nothing and it's like less than a penny an hour that I'm making with the amount of hours that I put into this job it's true, but you never...
2: See, the one thing... And You guys are talking like comparisons or something, but with the fighting... I heard you had the other comedian on uh, on your last episode. But with the, with the fighters and, and, like, comedians, like, the, even if you're making no money... Like, when I used to live off private lessons, literally, I lived off private lessons when I was training, like, full-time at, at the uh, at Henzo's... Uh, Henzo Gracie Academy in Manhattan. I, I, when I was coming up, I'd basically be living off private lessons and once in a while getting, like, a, a, a low-level fight there... Uh, and then, and I, I still felt I was living the dream because I wasn't that guy in the rat race every morning, you know. And I was making nothing as far as money. I was, I was just getting by, but I was just remember saying, man, oh man, I, I hope, I, I hope this never ends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Just making is that the money. That's what it is. Like when you guys are making money off the, when you first start getting your gigs and stuff, you're like, oh, this is fucking great. And, and Jimmy, maybe that's where that insecurity comes where you'll feel like it could be gone tomorrow. No?
0: Yeah. It's, it's in a way, the insecurity is it, it wrecks the fun moments, but it's also a healthy fear. Like sometimes if you're afraid it can be gone tomorrow, it means you work harder to maintain it and you don't take it for granted. So there's a weird balance. I find like, Hey man, I, I can't fucking just assume this is always going to be here if I just sit on my big fat ass. But it's also, I should just have some confidence and enjoy it too. The problem is I don't go with the confidence my balance is unbalanced in the other way.
2: Yeah, no, I, I really, I relate to that, man. I really do.
0: Well, you, you know, know, you're missed here, dude. So um, when are you back?
2: Dude, I'm fucking, listen, I'm, I'm going to be back on, I'm there for next, I'm there for next Thursday show. So I'll be, I'm getting in Tuesday. You know, Wednesday is when we're shooting, but I'll be there. I'm, so on Monday, I don't know if I'm calling in. Dude, I, that might be a fun call because holy fuck. How long have I been away for? But uh I'm not even halfway through this thing. I got another seven days here. This is insane. And we got a hurricane coming. I don't know what's going on over here. Oh, right. Get as many cool days in
0: the park as you something.
2: can. Yeah, we're getting the park. We're gonna hit Universal. We're gonna have a good time, man. But go ahead, man. I'm gonna let you guys do your thing. I'm gonna be listening tomorrow. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. You guys are awesome. I enjoy it so much. I'm gonna listen to the countdown with Michael Bisping and Lewis fucking jay gomez
0: <laughs> you should <laughs> it's a really can, fun I can, I show it. the four of us should do something yeah. one time yeah well mike's not be sexually <laughs> and then, get, and then get, uh, human Brandon centipede and, uh, and brian
2: so to be the six of us the other guys
1: yeah yeah i think uh when when bispin comes in for the new york show we should all get together and do a Absolutely. do a show yeah, yeah he's do gonna a cross be promotion yeah. be fun do i, I think doing a, we're really? doing like a bar thing like a live broadcast maybe you guys can come to that how cool would that be we're doing i don't know your
0: fans might hate like, us
1: yeah, no, 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 That's they would true. love you guys. We'll just trash fighter and the kid.
0: All right. I've actually, not. I've heard, I've stop, saw stop. a clip of their show with Ian Edwards. I have not listened to their show, but people love them. They say that they're really good. Yeah, so.
1: they're, they're big fans yeah. of but
2: those guys. I, I didn't like when we, we, that that happened because I get along really good. I know Brian Caleb for a long time and I like Brendan. So it's like, why do people, it's always the fucking jacket old. It's like, hey, look, like, we think you're better than them. They suck. What do you think? Hey, we're with you.
0: Ain't a Dick, we should all—we all can get
2: along. Well, I, I
0: don't think they've said anything shitty. No, but it's the fans. No, but the no, people I'm want them. to pick I'm a team.
2: No, I'm talking about the. I'm talking about like the, the people on Twitter or oh, okay. whatever. The guys, not them. No, they're cool. I'm cool. Those guys are good guys, man. But uh, hey, have fun, buddy. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for the call, and
0: I'll talk to you soon. Have all a good time. Talk to you in a few days, Matt. All right, take care. Enjoy. Bye. Yeah, it's 7 days, a long time to fucking be a Disney man. Oh, I'm farting like an animal, too. I'm so happy. Yeah, I uh, i
1: didn't say anything last time I was here, but I could smell
0: them. Oh, I hope so. I yeah, hate were, to waste
1: them. You were letting them out pretty hardcore last time. It yes, was my I was. first time on the show, and I was like, all right, I just won't say anything. Oh, no, no, you
0: should always say <laughs> something. That's why I was done. You're a guest, I was welcoming you. <laughs> I want, you to, I want you to be able to fucking shoot in the air. I always want to
1: be able to taste my co-host through the air.
0: <laughs> yeah, you feel closer, right? Yeah. You and Bisping, it's so impersonal. He's across the uh, across the country on yeah. an ISDN. Where, did, where is he when you guys do that show?
1: Uh, he's usually out of his house. Sometimes I'll go to the LA studio, but he, he, he's he got like a little setup. It's got to be nice to be a fucking star and just sit in your underwear and have them bring an entire radio station to your house.
0: Yeah, I have an ISDN hookup, and I used to do my advice show. And um, it would be fun. I'll just do it from home instead of going back in and doing it. And, uh, you know, I kind of like that. But it, it, it's not the same as being in studio. No, I agree. I, I agree. like being in studio. I mean,
1: after a few times, especially with a two-man show, it's not It's not difficult. I, you know, you could almost like – when you're broadcasting with somebody, you, could, you can – you get these cues when you're in studio with somebody. You can kind of tell when they're ready to say something. You, you kind of just like read each other's body language. It almost happens the same way over the phone. You get to, you get each other's rhythms down. Right. And it's almost like he's there. I don't really feel much of it. I feel much more connected to Bisping than I feel connected to just some dude that I'm in a studio with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like for in person, it's easy. Cause what we do is you guys can't see, but we have iPads with countdown clocks. So I'll just go like three, two, one. That means I'm about to talk. Yeah, and yeah it, of it works perfectly. It's very natural. Yeah, we have we have a buzzer.
1: You guys can't hear it. Yeah, but. you can't
0: hear. it. We just go. Bah. I'm like, oh, your turn. We actually wanted to start the podcast doing that. My turn. Your turn.
1: Yeah, I typically I don't really love interviewing people unless it's somebody that I legitimately have like an interest in. In general,
0: who have you enjoyed the interview? Uh, who have I really enjoyed
1: the interview? I mean, I love, I've love. i interviewed Don Fry like four or five times.
0: Oh, yeah. I've talked to him a lot He was fine. Dude, he's
1: just a fucking nut. Like, he just doesn't care. Like, he's a guy mm-hmm. that was in the UFC forever. A legend in the sport was never inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, just... Recently. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He was never inducted. Um was.
3: No, Don Fry. We were at... Yeah, he did this oh, year. Oh, the actually. last
1: one. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I haven't interviewed him since then because that was something that he was very bitter about. Literally, up until I guess this past Hall of Fame induction, but he's had a lot of like health issues and he's just like, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like, you want to just hear a guy that's just going to go off the cuff. It's great.
0: Love yeah, it. I like that. I like anybody that just speaks their mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we were going to call this show Telling It Like It Is with Jim and Matt.
1: <laughs> Spell Telling It T E L L
0: I N. Blame
1: know? the Jews with Jim and Matt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing how people still blame Jews for everything? Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, that's like a hack racist shit. Yeah, it really is. Take a better. Yeah. Well, we've moved on to cops. Yeah, now cops are like. Yeah, the now ones. the the
1: cops are the new Jews.
0: There was some funny line in South Park where they said uh, they were making fun of this whole anti police thing. And they're like, we don't even need cops; we have a Whole Foods. And I'm like, that <laughs> is the what? That just says so much about yeah. the way how quickly think. do we
1: forget? Like it's uh, just you know, 9 11 just happened uh, here in the city, and in New York City, you know, we really do remember for the few days around 9 11. You do kind of, especially if you lived in New York at that time. You kind of, you know, you you have this. The sense of, like, I should, you know, have a sense... Almost like that moment of silence. Right. Like, it's just, like, three or four days where you walk around, and you, it's a little surreal. And um I remember... Um, oh, shit, what was the point I was just making about 9-11?
0: You were just saying how we have reverence around those days.
1: Um, Yeah. Oh, I, dude, I lost my thought completely.
0: Oh, how you think that America's to blame, root cause stuff? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <He laughs> no, but how we forget... Like,
1: you watch that footage, and you go like, oh, shit. Like, the NYPD, those motherfuckers were really brave. FDNY, those guys, when everyone was running away from Lower Manhattan, those guys were racing toward Lower Manhattan. And I don't give a shit if you say that these guys profile and that they're assholes and they're power-hungry. When you're in a moment like that where you have buildings collapsing, America's under attack, planes are flying into Lower Manhattan, and you have every person in blue heading down toward there to help people— how do we forget that? When they say never forget, how do we forget that? And now every cop is a bad guy. And believe me, I, I've been arrested. I've been arrested like 10 times in my life for stupid shit, smoking weed in the street, getting into fist fights when I was younger. You know, I'm not like a fan of the police, but I think we are particularly hard on, uh, you know, a group of people that legitimately they put their lives on the line every single day when they go to work.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I was running towards the buildings on 9-11 as well, just yeah. to help out. Yeah, of course. I lived in Jersey, but I was just running in that direction.
4: <laughs> hey, it really is
0: a certain mentality that I can't comprehend. I can't comprehend running into danger. Yeah, just being brave. Yeah, it's just a whole thing. It's not my uh, It's not my cup of tea, Lewis. I mean, people you look at me and you're like, wow, Jim, you're a brave warrior. It's yeah. an act I put on. I'm really a gentle soul. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, Jose Aldo is asking to get out of the UFC. He's saying that uh, since there's a new regime... Whereas they said in the office and the and the regime don't like it, he thinks that things it's like a runaway train. And he said this is not about Connor fighting Alvarez and not him. I get why Jose is pissed off though to not be fighting. Like he hasn't fought since the um, has he fought? Since? Oh, Frank Edgar Frankie. Yeah, Frankie. at two hundred. And it's like who knows how long now until he gets to fight. McG- he doesn't want to fight because he doesn't want to lose that interim belt and then lose the shot at McGregor. So what yeah. is he what what's what's fucking happening in the featherweight division?
1: It's just weird in general. McGregor, he's changed the game and it's good and it's bad. I, I look, I think that the UFC bend a little bit too much for McGregor. I think you need to maintain bit. control of your product. They've gotten the reason the UFC has become the product they've become. And, and and the Coca-Cola of mixed martial arts is because it's always been a dance between the fighters and the organization. And the UFC has always led that dance. And I I, I can say this to my to my face goes red. Without the UFC, <laughs> Conor McGregor wouldn't be shit. You throw Conor McGregor on Bellator, he would be, nobody would know who he is. Nobody would know who he is. You need the UFC's marketing machine to push you and to tell the entire world that you're the toughest person on the planet. And without that, McGregor doesn't have anything. And I feel like the UFC lets him basically do whatever he wants, whether it's...
0: No, Dana pulled him off of uh, 200 because he didn't do the press conference. I know. He got yanked off. Uh, The thing with that is, and and there's times where they do kind of let him pick what he wants, but it seems like the fans want those fights too. And it's a catch-22. Like, is it right? That a lot of times these weird things happen and a guy might feel stepped over. Like the fact that uh, uh, Henderson Bisping, there's people who feel uh, like they're getting stepped over. Jacare and a couple of other people they feel like are. they're getting stepped uh,
1: Henderson, over. I mean, look, I-, I won't say this to him because I'm a pussy, but Henderson shouldn't be getting a title shot off of a win over Hector Lombard. But there is
0: something about that about it makes it more exciting for fans it's what we want to see yeah um the casual fan though that's the thing i feel like if they were fundamentally
1: if and this is what they were doing for a while they were fundamentally marketing this toward um, the hardcore fans, and, and trying to make it a real sport. They were trying to come up with their own ranking systems. And then something happened. I think when they started being serious about trying to sell, which I, I heard a couple of years ago that they were trying to
0: sell. Um, there were I, rumors for a while before it was true. People yeah, like were just two years. That, yeah.
1: Like, yeah, like two years. Um so and i heard say they
0: wanted 200000 for it. I'm like, there's no way that that's accurate.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> So, you know, it's... Um, I just feel like they started to market the, the show toward these casual people that don't know the difference between fighter A and fighter B. And I feel like if they just fundamentally said, let's always pick what's right for the sport, what's right for furthering the the legitimacy of this sport. And I, I think that's why they got, they were so obsessed with becoming a legitimate sport. And I think they lost sight of that with the CM Punks and the Brock Lesnar's and all of these silly moves that they make.
0: Well, don't forget Lesnar. No, Lesnar did well. I mean, you know, he, he won the championship. I mean, he won. He beat uh, beat Frank Mir. I mean, he became champion. So Lesnar turned out to be a good move. CM, look, I understand why that was an attractive thing. He was willing to give up a lot of money. It wasn't like he he came in out of desperation. CM Punk gave up a shitload of money to do this legitimately. And I think this is such a young sport. You know, we're looking at baseball. It's 100 years old. You look at football. The NFL has been there since the 60s this MMA is a there's like this trial and error with certain things too like the James Tony Randy Couture fight oh it seems kind of uh is it like just a, a this uh what's the word a, a non-professional thing or just kind of like, like a freak a show freak fight show th- yeah but you know what the question has been asked forever so they got it out of the way the MMA guy beat the dog shit with a single it oh yeah killed him I can literally jerk off to that fight it, the question's now been answered. But they had to do it because we're looking, you know, MMA and UFC, at least in general, it's fucking, it's baseball in 1905. Yeah. How many weird things did they do back in baseball? The picking, uh, you know, uh, the pitcher, I was going to say the pitcher's batted, but they still do. But you look at uh, Babe Ruth being a pitcher and then being a hit. it's like all this weird shit that you would never see yeah. today happen back then.
1: But I just feel like they're not really, like, yes, there are growing pains and there are things you're going to do. Like, I don't really fault them for Brock. Brock had the... He had the wrestling credentials to come Dude, in and beat be a motherfucker. Mark Hunt. He also had he had a winning record. He was one and zero in mixed martial arts. At least he had a professional sure. fight before he came into the UFC. Um, yeah, look, I don't hate on the Tony Couture thing because the truth is James Tony was uh the highest profile boxer that ever crossed over. It was a great question to ask, but even at that time, when the fight when the dust settled and that fight was over, I still went, ah, they probably shouldn't have had Randy Couture beat up James Tony.
0: Well, Randy Couture was older. They had to get somebody older. Yeah. Like they didn't want to get a young guy, it wouldn't have been fair. So it was light heavyweight.
1: It still wasn't fair though. If you know, if you know like the the game. James Tony had no chance. None. No chance.
0: But that was kind of a statement to make that the only way that could be made was to have that fight. And it seems like, oh, was that a, a Rocky Thunderlips thing? No. It, it had never happened before. It wasn't like they do that fight every year and the same thing happens. Yeah.
1: But no, here's the thing though. It's a little different though because James Tony was a champion in combat sports. Brock Lesnar was a champion in combat sports. Sure. So th- for me, I go, you know, it's not that far of a jump to go from boxing or wrestling to MMA. Those are two very important components of the sport of mixed martial arts. CM Punk had absolutely nothing, um, no background at all. I mean, he had trained a few years, but I, I equate CM Punk to being like a billionaire who buys a submarine. You're like, okay, they're not fucking, they're not actual, you know, real, you know, Whatever I don't know people who drive submarines are whatever that really is. yeah 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 you know that it's like they're just doing it to do it it's like a person who you know who's like oh dude I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to fly airplanes they're not actually a pilot just because you're a billionaire and you learn how to fly an airplane doesn't mean you're a commercial you know pilot
0: very true but he did give up a lot to do it if the difference is the billionaire who gives up a lot to ride that it wasn't like the billionaire being spoiled and taking the sub C M gave up that it's like giving up your money. And, and doing this for a living. Yeah. The difference is the, the billionaire giving up his company and going, now I'm going to fucking drive a sub or pilot a sub, and that's going to be my job. You don't have the billions to go back to. So he's not going back to W. He's back in the gym training. So even if he loses again, whatever he does... I understand the respect factor of him at least trying it. And don't forget, every time a fucking baseball team goes and grabs a Japanese player or whatever, sometimes these guys are great. Other times, it's because we are gonna sell 500,000 uniforms in Japan yeah we are now going to get advertising from Japanese beer because people in Japan will watch Yankee games so a lot of times even even the quote unquote legit or how about when they play football in England they take two teams and they bring them over to London and they no one in London gives a fuck about the NFL yeah but they bring it over they're trying to market it so those are and, and the argument would be well those are things that are still in the realm of there are professionals in the sport and that's true but even on those levels, even sports that are that ingrained in our psyche make these little PR moves to try to, you know. But the weight class thing with the UFC, I don't mind it just because as a fan of fights, I want to see. Like I would rather see, you know. Dana's not going to do uh, Diaz Connor three. He said he doesn't care about that fight. He's got to get this lightweight or I never, featherweight. I never
1: trust a word Dana White says.
0: I don't know, man. No, no.
1: Here's the thing. It's not even. Let me rephrase that because that sounds bad. I. You said it yourself. They're a marketing machine. Sure, they're always they're always putting the chess pieces on the table in a certain way. And just because you have that bishop right there, doesn't mean it's going diagonally across the board to go kill that fucking rook, right? It, it, it's putting it there. There's other moves that they set up. So I don't necessarily believe him when he says that.
0: But boxing, look what boxing has done. Boxing has a ranking system. Look at how many fights never happen simply because the fucking promoters. Are showing who has a bigger dick. Yeah, That's supposed to be a legit merit-based thing, and those fights almost never... Those guys do nothing but protect themselves yeah. from a the big fight. In MMA, I can't think of any fighters really protecting themselves from big fights like yeah sometimes they get like okay conor got sidetracked from doing a, a jose aldo rematch but if you're looking at the ufc or any any organization how do we sell this rematch when he got knocked out in 13 seconds it was like Henan and burrell when he fucking when, when when which i thought was a terrible stoppage of, of, of uriah faber uh because uriah was giving the thumbs up and saying he was okay remember when burrell pounded him out in jersey yeah, yeah. uriah was fine but in fairness herb dean could not see the thumb being up and he just he was just a bad stoppage because he couldn't really he but didn't, since when is
1: thumbs up intelligently defending yourself no no, no but he's saying he's okay but, <laughs> I know but, he is
0: but you just like dude take that thumb and put it over your face and block that's, but that's a signal if, to those yeah. guys that I'm okay of I, course I'm, I'm fighting this is good and uh, so the thing was Faber got robbed I thought but the question was how, and Dana might have even said this how do you sell Faber Hennemarau 2 or, or 3 whatever it was that, part, that when he just got knocked out when he got TKO'd this fast was, yeah how do you sell Jose Aldo-Connor too when he got knocked out in 13 seconds? I just feel it's like- It's harder
1: to sell. Jose, but he, this is my problem. Like, I get that it's harder to sell, but every once in a while, you have to do what's right by the fighters in your sport. It, just because it's a harder sell doesn't necessarily mean it, it doesn't need to happen. Absolutely. Look, Travis fucking Luter versus Anderson Silva, that was, I mean, what a, what a that was a, a championship title fight. Actually, it wasn't because Travis Luter missed weight for that fight. But it's like, yeah, every once in a while, the guy's gonna win the ultimate fighter and get the title shot. You know, that it is what it is. You can't do anything about that. And I feel like it's – I understand why Jose Aldo's so upset because he's a guy who was undoubtedly the most dominant champion in UFC history. Um, The guy went however many years without even being touched.
0: Burrell went 10 years, I think, without losing.
1: Yeah. Um, But Jose, you got a guy who – he got caught. Look, they fight – they fight a hundred times. I don't believe that fight ends in 13 seconds Agreed. ever and, again. And I
0: like Aldo more than Conor. I was at that fight. I flew out for 13 seconds. Hey, Dan, what's up? Dan Henderson, you're on with Jim Norton. And uh, uh, subbing for Matt Serra this week is Luis J. Gomez because uh, Matt is on vacation. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How you doing? Uh, very well. Uh, do, do you feel ready? I'm sure you do.
3: Yes, absolutely. I feel, uh, I feel great, ready to go. I can. Uh, I've been ready since I got here.
0: We talked to Bisping on Tuesday, and he said it was a, a foregone conclusion that he's going to win on Saturday, and that uh, he really said people should bet the house on him, and uh, that kind of what happened the first time was a fluke.
3: Uh, I'm good with him thinking that. That's great. You know, uh, I, I love that. It means he's going to be overconfident, and, and hopefully uh, stand there and bang with me, and, and I'll be able to, to touch him in his face a little easier.
0: Do you think people there's and and we have to ask you because there are people that said like well you know there the Henderson kind of stepped over a few people for for this fight and and how do you feel how do you respond to that because even though I'm sure you'd be very happy to be taking it and as a fan I'm happy to be seeing it
3: well I, I definitely agree that I did step over and cut the line a little bit um you know and, and I I didn't ask for that though but I absolutely took it when offered I, I think. Uh, you know the the fans made this fight happen and and asked for it and and when uh, when they offered I took it and you know it, it's one of those things where th- this is going to be my last fight so I kind of cut it and I'm going to cut right back out so yeah I don't I didn't really disrupt uh, the system too much they're still going to I think if it will deserve the next title shot we'll get it um, right after I'm done with Disming they heading back.
0: Come on, are you really going to retire though if you win the belt? That's got to be hard to walk out without one defense. The amount of money in one defense?
3: Uh yeah, I definitely plan on retiring. You know, that's uh win or lose, that's that's my plan and that's pretty much uh I'm good with it and I, you know, I I would can't think of a a better way to exit uh and retire than having the belt with me.
0: Is your family on you about retiring as your wife saying kind of I want you I want you to out here or or or, or do you just want to?
3: No, they don't pressure me one way or another. Uh, but it's more about me and and you know, I, the older I get, the less energy I have during training camp to to spend time with them and the kids and and do things uh, outside of training. So it's it's starting to kind of take a toll on on them though they're they're feeling it more i'm not able to kind of be the dad and the husband that i want to be during training camp because i'm too tired so you know and and they don't they don't give me grief about it it's just uh i'd like to spend some more quality time with them without being worn out all the time
1: now you you know you say you're going to retire if you win the belt um is there because this is what I feel about the 170 pound weight class, um, 205 pound weight class right now with Daniel Cormier being the champion. Um, the, as a fan, a part of me is going like, dude, no, no, don't retire with the belt because if you do that, then you turn whoever the next champion is into the paper champion. Um, which we, ha- I mean, and I'm not, I'm not hating on the 170 pound weight class or the 205 pound weight class, but those guys never beat the champion for the title. Does that come into your head at all? You don't, you don't think that you're kind of a uh, you're kind of ruining the legacy for the next guys that have that title.
3: No, I mean whoever wins that belt will have to defend it. Uh, and and like I said, I, I did cut in line, and and you know those guys are definitely have earned their shot and and are deserving of of a chance to have that title. And and two of the guys in the top of the line were the champ recently. So um, yeah, I, I don't think it's. It's the same thing, you know. Especially when when they defend the belt, you know. I think people know that uh, they deserve it.
1: Now, Bisping has been very vocal um, about, he's you know, he says that he's going to try to knock you out in this fight. Um, this is a huge revenge fight for him. Obviously, UFC 100, probably one of the most brutal knockouts in mixed martial arts history when you when you took him out in that fight. Um, one of the things that him and his coaches have been very vocal about are the fact that this is the best Bisping. Bisping is peaking now at 37 years old um, in his career. Do you see it that way? Are you looking at it like you're fighting a different fighter right now than you did at what, UFC 100?
3: No, you know, obviously, I think he's improved, uh, does a a few things a little bit differently, but uh, for the most part, he's still the same fighter, Uh, you know, just a little bit better version, and myself as well, I'm I'm definitely improved and and better than I was the first time I fought him, Uh, you know, so I I feel great in my physically and mentally, and, and I think, that's uh, that's a, a perfect thing for me to to be able to go out there and fight feeling great and and it doesn't happen every fight but yeah I, th- I had a great training camp and and I'm ready to go five rounds and uh, there's no way he's gonna beat me if I'm in shape and and I made sure I was in shape.
0: You know he he respects you too. He did say that he, he's like obviously he acknowledges that you're a very I think he said the word he's used was a very hard guy like a very tough guy. Um, you know, able to handle himself in a bar fight, you know, and I, I think he meant that in a complimentary way. Like you're not just in the ring tough; you're genuinely got a toughness. Uh, were you? What did you do before you fought? Because I'm always fascinated with what you guys do before you become professionals.
3: Uh, well, I grew up as a wrestler and never really gotten any bar fights. Maybe two, or three, street fights in my life. So I was never uh, a guy to cause trouble and, and talk shit. And uh, I. Just the toughness came from wrestling.
0: So all your fights were actually in a controlled environment. I'm I'm actually surprised because you get guys like Eddie Alvarez, you know, who did a lot of street fighting in Philly and Bisping over in, uh, in England, and uh, and then you just became as tough all under controlled conditions, which is pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just uh, I didn't cause any trouble.
0: You stopped. You don't wrestle as much as you as you used to. You've kind of. Become just kind of lining up that right hand. Is there is there a reason for that? Is is it something that you are worried? Like okay, guys are just going to look out for the right now?
3: uh No, I mean I I, I still land it in most fights. Uh, I do a pretty good job setting it up, and I use my wrestling and just in a little different ways than than probably I used to and and what most wrestlers do. You know, I use it more more to stay on my feet. My, best chance of finishing a fight or, or with my hands. Uh, I give my chance myself every chance to be able to do that by um, staying on my feet, defending takedowns, at, and or sometimes I'll put a guy on his back um, with the wrestling. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I definitely use my wrestling every day in practice, just you know, to, uh, not at a regular traditional wrestling fashion
0: what do you think of the two we've talked about this too like a lot of people have talked about like the belts kind of change hands a lot which you know i attributed to the fact that there's just so much fairly equivalent talent fighting there's so many good fighters it's hard for one guy to dominate and win seven straight fights now what what do you think that is where all the belt has changed hands in, in every weight class so many times recently
3: yeah i think just the the depth and and you know, guys have to be able to be consistent, and and it's all a matter of of the matchups and styles. You know, somebody with a certain style can definitely beat somebody else with a certain style that uh, can't beat the other guy. That you know, it's it's pretty much tough to, to be that well that good at everything and and that well rounded to match up great with every style. So um, it definitely makes holding on to those belts and, and being, uh, putting uh, together a, a good win streak at that top tier, a lot tougher.
1: Now, now, Jose Aldo recently, um, came out and he's talking about, he wants to retire now because things are not the same as they've always been in the UFC. Um, UFC just, was purchased by WME, IMG, and they also just announced a whole list of celebrities that have bought stock in the company, including Anthony Kiedis, Tom Brady, Ben Affleck, Mark Wahlberg, etc. Have you noticed a shift behind the scenes in the UFC? Has it become more Hollywood? Is there anything changing behind the scenes that we don't know about?
3: I don't really get behind the scenes too much. Uh, You know, I'm pretty much uh, a guy that I man, most of the fighters are in the same boat as me. They they get their fight scheduled and, and they train and they show up at the fight and don't really get to see too much behind the scenes. Uh, you know, I'm not at a lot of the other events, uh, especially I've been in training camp since the purchase happened. So, yeah, I'm sure that I'll see a little bit more behind the scenes, but yeah, I don't know. I think uh, with Dana White still in place, it, uh, there's not a whole lot of changes that are, that have happened yet. Uh, I'm hearing that they'll probably make quite a few changes uh, pretty soon, though.
0: What's the biggest thing you've seen change? I mean, you fight in 19 years. That's a long professional fight career. What's the biggest thing you've seen change?
3: Well, just the evolution of the sport altogether. The, the fighters are, are much more well-rounded at a younger age. Um, yeah, you know, we never had any MMA coaches before. Now there's MMA coaches everywhere. The sport's been around a long time, and and uh, it's just been the evolution of the sport is, and that's been the biggest change. Obviously, becoming mainstream and and being on TV a couple times a, a week, or at least uh, two or three fights, new fights every week on TV. So um, that's helped. Definitely, uh, with the popularity, and and with that popularity, more more younger kids want to be fighters. So, yeah, I think uh, that cycle has just uh, been moving pretty fast, and and uh, it's been fun to be a part of that that
0: ride. Do you uh, do you ever long for the old days? You know, whatever job we always wax poetic about, ah, back in 10 years ago was better, 15 years ago, you know, it's just (laughs) the way we tend to look at the past, like it was this glorious. Time? Do you look back at like you know eighteen years ago and go, "Fuck, man, those days! I really miss those days." Or are you happy with where it's come to and how it is?
3: No, I'm pretty happy with where it's come to. Um, You know, but I do miss miss the the shows that Pride put on. Uh, It was it was definitely something uh, that's different, and I don't know how to explain it. It was just an absolute awesome show to be a part of. You know, and this—that's not counting the actual fights, and you know—it's just the production that they put on for for an event was amazing.
0: And uh, you fought Fedor. I think you guys fought at what light heavyweight, or did you fight at heavyweight? What, what did you go up to two twenty?
3: I weighed in at 206 and a half.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, how hard did he hit? I know that's a really stupid—that's <laughs> a really stupid amateur question, <laughs> but there's very few people I've talked to who have actually fought him.
3: Uh, he hit pretty hard actually. You know, I remember being in the clinch with him and, and him just, uh, throwing little arm punches to the side of my head and it, and those little, little arm punches hurt pretty bad. You know, it's funny. Knocks on the side of my head.
0: I was worried about you in that fight too, because before the fight, you took a selfie with him and sent it out. And I'm like, he's gonna fight Fedor, and he's happy to see him, and he's taking a selfie. <laughs> oh, fucking Hendo's in trouble! But uh, you weren't. I mean, that—that that, I'll be honest. I was very shocked to to see that victory. That was a really impressive win. Yeah,
1: it was also. He was almost like a cyborg. Like you, you put him out, and then he hit the ground. He was out, but then within a second, he was right back up. You were like, oh shit! It was crazy. Um, it, who? Let me ask you. Who is the guy that you never fought that you really regret not getting that fight?
3: Well, I think. Uh, for myself and most fans, it was the John Jones fight that I did get a fight, but just got injured. And it's the, the only fight in in 20 years that I had to pull out of, and uh, you know, it's unfortunate. And and yeah, I was ready and ready to. I regret not being able to test myself against uh, him, who's you know obviously one of the most dominant fighters we've had in the sport.
1: And he's a guy you think you could have knocked out.
3: Well, I, I think. Yeah, I think I can knock anybody out if I hit him in the right place, and it's just a matter of being able to do that. and And uh, it would have been, it would have been a fun fight for me to to test myself and to see how I do against them. Obviously, I, I was pretty confident uh, going into any fight, but I was ready to go for that for that fight, and that was three weeks out. I was in the best shape of my life uh, for that fight.
0: You've been in the last in the last nine fights. You're three and six, and not to bring up a negative point, but what what do you attribute that to? Like, is there anything that you've changed in the, in these last fights that you feel like is going to help you against Bisping, or something that you found that you weren't doing uh, correctly?
3: Well, I don't know. I felt I felt like uh, you know two of those those fights could have been you know decisions for me. It was that close of fights, and and yeah, uh, you know, I felt like a couple of those fights got stopped a little bit early, and, and I really just had some bad luck over the last couple of years. So, you know, I feel like uh, my body and everything's feeling great right now, and, and uh, there's no reason for me not to go out there and, and beat Bisbing's ass.
1: Now, you know, the a big point of contention that's come up recently is uh, the fact that the UFC has now made uh, testosterone replacement therapy illegal, and that's something that you were one of the guys that you were doing legal uh, treatments um do you feel like that that took away any of your mental edge because you hear that a lot of a lot of the people that are against TRT and are against um any type of PEDs um they say well oh yeah now that guy lost his mental edge do you feel like that at all
3: oh not at all i, I don't i don't get affected uh by those things I honestly I take supplements and all that, but I really don't notice too big of a difference, positively or negatively, when I take them or don't take them. And and uh, TRT was in the same boat. I really didn't notice uh, a change too much. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. I just quit cold turkey and moved on and and kept on fighting. I'm so I'm uh, still just, just as dangerous. It was, you know, I feel like I have a little bit less less energy, uh, you know, and, and have to spend more time relaxing on the couch to, to recover from, from training camp. And, and, uh, you know, that that's about the only difference I've noticed.
0: All right. Well, you're fighting this Saturday. It's, uh, here on the, uh, I mean, we're in New York right now. So I guess it's, it's 10 o'clock is when the uh, pay-per-view starts for the middleweight championship against Michael Bisping. And uh, it's going to be a really great fight. I'm happy for you. you oh, know, just I, well, I know we're I know we're wrapping up, but I, I didn't sure. even think about oh, that. Go ahead, ask. But you're fighting at three or four o'clock in the morning, right?
3: right. Yeah, I think uh, the pay per view starts right. ten o'clock your time, but uh, that's three a.m. here, and, and I'll probably be fighting around five a.m. in Ooh. in Manchester.
0: Well, are, now, are you on that schedule? Okay, now.
3: Well, I was on
0: that schedule before I left
3: uh, California, and I'm I'm pretty much staying on that schedule. I I've been sleeping from well, about 7 a.m. till 3 or 4 p.m. Uh, and getting up and kind of starting my day at then. And they've they've scheduled all the media obligations till late afternoon, so it it's worked out pretty good. Um, so I feel, I feel great right now. I've I'm been Sleeping great and and, uh, really didn't have to make any changes.
0: Well, good luck on Saturday, man. Either way, it's a tremendous thing that you put yourself in this position to be fighting for the middleweight championship. So, uh, you know, obviously you're a legend in the sport, and there's not one person I've ever spoken to who doesn't like Dan Henderson. So good luck on Saturday, okay?
3: I Thank you. I appreciate it very much.
0: All right. Good talking to you, buddy. All right. Thank you, too. All right. Take care, Dan.
1: Hard to not like that guy.
0: You can't not like Dan Henderson. I mean, like, even like
1: he's fighting my friend. Yeah, He's going to try to murder my friend in a cage on Saturday night.
0: And I still like him. He's just a legitimately tough motherfucker. You know, and and it's like, you know, we talk about like what's tough and what's not tough. And somebody said to me, Jim, you're the ultimate MMA fan. I said, oh, I don't know. (laughs) You know, all the fighters' strengths, you know, their weaknesses. And I said, what are you getting at? And they said, now it's time to put that knowledge to the test and experience the excitement of Fantasy MMA during this weekend's epic fight card where? At DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the destination for daily fantasy sports where you could win huge cash prizes every time you play. Square off against your fellow MMA fans and play to win over $100,000 in prizes this weekend You just got to pick five fighters. You stay under the salary cap. You rack up points based on how your uh, fight team performs. It's very simple. Outscore the competition. Win big. As if watching MMA wasn't already exciting and tension-filled enough, at DraftKings.com, every significant strike, takedown, submission, and knockout brings you closer to payday. Millions of sports fans just like you have discovered the magic of DraftKings. Now it's your turn to get in the action. What are you waiting for? Just sitting there alone. No one likes you. You have no friends. Get involved with DraftKings. Be somebody. Hurry to DraftKings.com now to choose your fighters. And you can seriously cash in this Saturday night. Use code KO. That's the letters KO. And play free with your first deposit. That's code KO to play free for your shot at over $100,000 in prizes. Only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com eligibility restrictions may apply as you know so check out the website for details
2: you're listening to ufc unfiltered
0: we're here with uh thomas hayden uh church has come in and gotten settled in and uh his opening line was did i just fuck something up
4: (laughs) so welcome thank you so much thanks for having me I'm a big fan thank
0: you and i didn't know you were a big uh, ufc guy I, I didn't I realize that. I love it. I really do. Like you know, I, I'm doing this podcast. Uh, Lewis uh, Jay Gomez is subbing today. He's very uh, a good friend. Uh, Matt Serra is usually my co-host. Oh yeah, yeah. And I just love it. Right. I mean, you know, I know Dana well, so I'm, I'm not an expert on it. I just I'm a big fan, and I talk like a fan.
4: Do you know David Lit? Do you know who he is? I he, do not. He's a he co-created King of Queens. Oh okay. But in the mid '90s, we worked together on a Fox uh, series and he just it was around 9596 and he called me and said hey man we're going to be watching uh you know this what special order bullshit from brazil it's cage fighting like really hardcore cage fighting but you got to special order it and you got to get a box and all that and so i went to his apartment and that's the first place i met kevin james and 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 kevin was super into it and i think joe rogan was the, like all these guys that are now Like no, especially Joe and got, you know, but I didn't know Kevin James was into it. And then you find out that he's, he's actually practices in in different disciplines and
0: well, he's friends with yeah. Chris Weidman, too. We had Chris in recently, yeah. and they're good buddies. Like, So they yeah. actually train together sometimes, I think. and
1: But then Here Come the Boom, too. Uh, right, right. He, he, was was that, he was in that movie. He got to
4: show off his guns.
1: Weidman or Kevin? No, no, Kevin Ke- James. Yeah. Yeah, he was a star of that he's movie. He's a
0: big, thick
4: dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like a guy, not a light snack if you had to go go with him, if you had to roll with him.
0: Um, no, he's a Long Island lunkhead. Like, he's a solid little... <laughs> fi- like, Kevin looks like, oh, yeah, but he's like a solid, rat, oh, like, yeah. solid calved yeah. man. Oh, yeah. Whenever he'd wear the, the,
4: the UPS shirt. <laughs> and he's got, you know, cannonballs for calves. Those guys, you don't want to roll, you know, you got to roll with them. You got to know they got the trunks. Yeah,
0: his nickname is Hillary. He has got some real
4: <laughs> <laughs> Nice work, Jim.
0: Hey, I didn't, you know, it's funny. I, I literally, I'm familiar with your work, but I didn't realize you did radio. You started doing radio, which we talked about before. Right. When did you do that?
4: I started in high school. Um, I just I had an English teacher whose husband quit his job at a country station. And she used to call me Thunder Whisper. Cause I'd always be back there hitting on a chick, you know, like, anyway, man, what are you doing on Friday night? You know. And she she could hear me, and uh, and so she, you know, one day after class, she was like, "Have you ever considered doing radio?" And I'm like, "Radio? Wow. No. I mean, can you get some ass doing radio?" Or... <laughs> and uh, the answer is no. She's like, "Just yeah." She's like, "You should go and you should meet with them because my husband just quit and they don't have anybody. I lost out to a woman. They decided they wanted to. They did, you know, need to be a little bit more gender, you know, sure. uh, equal." But that woman didn't work out, and they called me up. I was 17. And that just sort of like, that that worked out with them. Then I went to another FM station. I worked at two stations in the same market at one point. What and kind then, of music were you playing? Uh, country and then album rock. I, I worked okay. at two stations. And then in college, I worked in radio. So Did you wow. like it? really scratching out a lot of shit there no these are all
0: Dan Henderson um, questions we just interviewed Dan Henderson and by the way MMA fan I, actu- I actually asked Hendo did Fedor hit hard <laughs> this microphone chip and a shotgun that fired in my fucking dumb mouth <laughs> <laughs> did Fedor hit hard I just wanted to ask I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that fought Fedor a million so I wanted to ask how 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 it felt to get fucking punched by him but uh, so that's what I was just scratching out right. with all that stuff have you ever had a real job like a quote unquote day job that's not entertainment yeah for? no
4: I mean I worked in radio in college too but it didn't pay jack shit so i started working at a hotel in dallas uh part time which turned out to be a great i started as a bellman and then i became a concierge and it was a great sort of stomping ground to learn how to deal with different personalities at different levels of society socioeconomic and otherwise and i really it, it turned out to be like tom hanks was a bellman and 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 i you know i've met him we didn't talk about that specifically but he, he told stories about I mean, specifically, I remember on Letterman talking about having to deal with guests. You know, it's like one personality and you're immediately juxtaposed with a completely different personality. And and it, that was kind of my story early on. And I, da- saw, I think Dana was a beltman too. I
1: think Dana White
0: worked in a hotel. Are you serious? House. Yeah.
1: I saw a thing on 2020 where they were talking about hotel workers. It was one of these, like, exposés. It was, it was a whole special where they had hotels and they had gyms and they were like, the scams that you guys don't know about behind the scenes. And the hotel one was so interesting to me. They were talking about how they have, like, a list of uh, – they'll put your name in, like, a database where if you're an asshole, they will make notes about it. Like, every hotel shares That's all true. this stuff. There's all that stuff, oh, yeah, really. yeah,
4: You put out what they call VIP lists and everybody that comes in, not only are they rated with stars – you know, it's like this guy not so important, this guy super important. Yeah. But they would also there'd be notes of like what they liked, what they disliked, if they were going to be looking for prostitutes, if they were going to be wow. looking for drugs. What was oh, you yeah, saying about prostitutes? This is in the 80s. So it was a little bit more, you know. I think a broad kind of broadband promiscuity on uh, with everything. Yeah. What
0: was the signal for prostitutes? Would like his face, his name have a picture of my face? Our <laughs> code. Our co-
4: <laughs> no, our code for that was Yellow Pages. That's uh, all they would put. They would just put, you know, Yellow Pages Asians. And it's it. no, it meant yeah. Oh, no, it's it, uh, it, it meant because we could not ever do it, and we would just have to politely push them towards. As, as as horrible as it is just yeah. say. You're going to need to go into the Yellow Pages for that, which now is such an antiquated reference. Yes, Fuck. I remember
0: that. I remember Googling checking in hotels. whores,
4: you know, Google whore, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, really, now it's just like uh, whore.com? Yeah. Kick, 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 you know. It was the Village but, Voice here in the
1: city. The back of the Village right. Voice, you'd go in. Yeah. And now, if you, if you ever open up the back of the Village Voice, there's no more ads at all. It's just shemales. For some reason, shemales have not made their way to the internet yet.
0: Oh, yes, they have. <laughs> you, you should see my search history. Don't try looking for a trend transmission you'll get fucking <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah it's everything online now you go to back page or any of these other you know sexual sites and it's all there for you so anyway when did you uh when did you move in oh did you you grew up in dallas i did not oh I grew up, okay I just
4: your transitions are just so lightning quick um i didn't i grew up all over the state of texas okay. and i but i went to a college university of north texas which is just outside of dallas so in order to get like a, a kind of a cool job, you'd have to go on. It was like 30 minutes into Dallas. And
0: I saw some of your show, they gave us a link. They, they, this is the day of, of, of online piracy. Everybody's scared. So they gave us, it's called a divorce. Am I correct? That's, that's correct. And um, they gave us a link to it with six episodes. And I watched There's no it.
4: way you had the attention span for six episodes.
0: Here's why I couldn't even get through one. Because my, my, <laughs> none of, not the show. My, I, I stepped away and came back. And when I turned my computer back on, it wouldn't accept my passcode. Oh shit. And it fucking eats away at your links. It's like you're, you're, you're you have four tries. You have three tries, yeah. and I'm like carefully pecking. I'm doing the right caps. <laughs> UFC unfiltered, and it would not let me back in. I was so furious because I was halfway through the episode and I was invested. in It It was after the party. Oh, nice! After all this shit happened, and I was so fucking irritated that this link. It just. It was just. It ate away. If I snap my By fingers the way, again, bite them. It
4: did that to me too. Did it really? Yeah. Last year, after we shot the pilot, they wanted me to look at you know some cuts, like a rough cut, and you know. They wanted me to look at it and give some notes, but it was the only way that I could do it. And it was uh, whatever the fuck, you know, TH Church, you know, uh, under slash dumbass or whatever <laughs> the fuck code was. And I did. It was like a because co- I'm a terrible typer and I wanted to look at it on my phone while I was go- doing something else. And I just kept punching in the wrong code and I'm like, you have one more try. And I'm like, "Wait, I only went through one. Yeah. Why do I only have one?" It's like the fucking and then da it Vinci did code. It, like deleted me, you know, and then you get a call from HBO security, you know, "Who the fuck are you?" and, you know, <laughs> "What Al-Qaeda connection <laughs> do you have?" you know.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating though cuz I the, the the bad part is I couldn't finish it. The good part is I was genuinely invested in it and furious at this This happens a lot with Netflix too. They just they they're so paranoid. Just put my name on it. Just put Norton across it. I mean, I'll never see my name on anything else that's on TV. I might as well have it across a fucking screener. <laughs> (laughs) But I won't pirate your shit. I wanted to see the entire episode. Uh, Really well acted. Thank you. And really interesting. And it was just at a part where there's a conversation being held where uh, a boyfriend is backing out of something. I was like, fuck, fuck really good Yeah, man. the
4: great Jermaine Clement. Did, did, did you ever get in Flight of the Concords or you know, it's any fun, of his stuff? He's from New Zealand but he's terrific.
0: When I taped uh, my first HBO special it was a half hour. Uh, we did a, It was supposed to be only four of us wound up being ten comedians that did half hours shot at the Skirball and I had to share an audience. They wanted me to share the audience with Flight of the Concords. Yeah. and I'm like that guy they, they just don't have the same audience I do and uh, on the first show I would have went second on the second show they would have went second so I'm like no just uh, me and Kevin Brennan did it. Boring! Story. You ever been halfway through? A, you ever been through a story that you realize is self-involved and has nothing to do with the conversation, but it just had me in it? So I felt to, I should tr- champion it. All you
4: do is just watch you though. It was an awful was like, story. Like, but even in, even even in your in your terms, an awful story is still like. I'm just watching all your fucking ticks and yeah, all I'm your mess, your insecurity and your your regret. You know, <laughs> you know. I was like, guy, guy could see like halfway through and it. It's like fuck, total regret. Just abort. Just get the fuck
0: out. Yeah, my regret. You, know, you should see my mother. She booze her pussy when I walk in the house.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it was like Sigourney Weaver realizing the aliens in the in the in the pod with her. You know. Um, so well, you, what else can I answer for you? Well, Let's you do, talk UFC. I fucking love UFC. You do love you? I never. Here's the thing, though, man. Where I live in Texas, my boxes, you know, the whatever the fuck, you know, the, the dish that I have at the ranch and then I have at my house, it, for some reason now they've completely betrayed me. Right. Like I can't, every time I'm like UFC 205 or whatever the fuck, you know, and they're like, got to have an active phone line. And I had the phone company come out, they're like, it's your box, your box is fucked. So then I had those guys come out and they're like, dude, the phone company is lying to you, it's the phone line, it's some connection. From your house to the pole to the Trent and it's just like what I'm totally betrayed, and I'm not blaming Dish or AT and T, but I can't order anything anymore. So I haven't seen any. Got to get on the fight. But pass. I, I do like you know I do like uh, whenever they're on Fox Sports One, I see all those. I see all the prelim fights. I see essentially like whatever the poor people can watch. You know, I just watch what. But whatever, you're missing the main
0: available. event. Oh, there's some good ones. But they're up, so man. fucking
4: late. They come on so late. I live in Texas. They don't even get to the main car co- The main, even like the co-main, until like midnight. And I'm a. I have two. I have two young daughters. So oh, she gotta be in bed. Yeah. It Kind of betrays me, but well, you know, I, I watch it on replay and I, I do, I got to get fight passes. Yeah, that's that's the best that's way to right, do Jason it. tells me amazing. all the time, he's like, Come on, Mike, get, get the fight
0: pass, Mike. It's fucking great. I you just go back and you get caught in these weird loops, though, where you just start watching fight like you'll go from you, you want to watch four of one guy and then you start branching off into the other. It's it's amazing, yeah. The same way sure. you go on
1: like YouTube journeys and you click through, but yes, now, imagine yes. just violence,
4: yes, yeah, you, you get <laughs> totally trapped in white snake videos, yeah. I fuck it. I want to see Tati Khatene again, (laughs) yeah, and again and again. You know, I go
0: online. I want to watch a Sabbath. You know, meanwhile, an hour later, I'm spiraling. I'm watching a German woman (laughs) squat over a coffee table.
4: <laughs> there you go. I think that probably, I think that's ultimately where you land with White Snake videos too. It's just the same woman.
0: You, <laughs> so the same, the same woman. Path different to that table. Same woman. You know? I, by the way, I interviewed David Coverdale once. He smells fucking great. I bet he does. He really smelled. British rock stars uh, good.
4: He was on Eddie Trunk's show. It was probably a year ago, and I was just marveling at how preserved his hair and he's still got the great David Coverdale voice. Yeah, you know? he's got this great voice. Anybody just like I mean you know he's clearly an a he's an aged guy I do sure. what seventy or something maybe like in the late sixties yeah yeah but but just great and elegant and and so poised you do a great really, British accent by yeah the way. I was just thinking that thank too you. that was really I, good uh, thank
0: have you ever played British or no
4: you know I've wanted to nobody's ever <laughs> I played like bad Minnesotan once you oh, know you? In a movie with Marlon Brando did you speak did that you one know, sucked what too. Movie? It was a movie called Free Money. It was Charlie Sheen, myself, and Marlon Brando. Wow. Um, Donald Sutherland was in it. Uh, oh, fuck. What's the actress name? Uh, uh, Mira Servino was in it. Uh, there were some really good actors in it.
0: How was Brando to work with?
4: He was terrific. He he. Not to derail sure. uh, UFC conversation, but he was terrific. He was completely spontaneous. He wasn't in great health. He was really big. And he had gone through, he told me, Remember, I don't know if you remember this, Jim. If you're even old enough to remember, but in the like the early '90s, people became like, especially in LA, just absolutely freak impassioned with the fen-fen diet, and it went on for a few years. It was a supplement that they, you know, it's like you're gonna lose weight, you know, in 30 days you're gonna lose 60 pounds, and Brando became obsessed with it, took it, and then within like a couple of years, the FDA was like. This is going to wreak havoc on your respiratory system, on your on your pulmonary system, everything connected uh, to your lungs. Okay. And so, when I worked with him, he was already having a lot of pulmonary problems. But he held in there. After we did the movie, I think I think I think Marlon lived about another seven years. But oh. I, I don't think it was quality seven years.
0: So you're saying he was very like spontaneous. Like, would he memorize the lines, or did he have an earpiece? No, 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 no. Or? he
4: can't. He he could not memorize anything. He, he had an earpiece all the time, and what was crazy about it is that while you're saying your line, she's telling him his line. So it was complete, and you could hear her saying his line. So while you're saying it, you're hearing his line, and then he would recite his line. So it was really always a matter of timing. Right. And But Brandon was a very, very, very polite, very considered, and he would just be, I, I don't really need you to be there. If you don't want to be there, you don't have to be there. I really did. And he did. He really had that nasally thing. He got his nose broken on stage and doing uh, uh, on the waterfront. He I didn't got know his that. nose because he was a boxer. And he would go during uh, intermission, he would go below the stage and he'd hit the heavy bag. He'd spar. And one night his nose got broken and he had to go back out and finish the whole second uh, half of the play. On the waterfront, right? Whole second half, and just like kept like blowing his nose, which is, you know, worst thing you can do with a broken nose. Sure. <laughs> but kept trying to get the blood out of his nose, and it damaged all of his sinuses. And that's and that's why he, you know, that's why I, he has the. Brando I can't boy. do him right now because I just did a oh. bridge guy. I just did David. can <laughs> you know, only do one, <laughs> one Follow sure. David yeah. with Brando, but uh, <laughs> no, he was very considerate. He was a lovely guy, oh. and and you know Charlie was having his issues, and Marlon. And I and Martin Sheen,er I think, had remained pretty good friends, and after Apocalypse Now, yes, and they communicated about it, and you know, but yeah, you know, Chuck had his had his issues back in the day. Well,
0: you, I could ask Brando questions because you don't meet many people that have worked with Marlon Brando.
4: Yeah, just like Fedor, does he, he wasn't just yes. two, <laughs> it wasn't just two weeks. I mean, he was with us for like six weeks, and we shot the movie in Montreal. And then he oh. didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave Montreal. He lo- he speaks French, loves you know, cuisine, we would go out to eat. I mean, you know, we would go out and have these big, lavish, you know, meals with, with Marlon. He would only speak French to the waiter. But, uh, you know, he just uh, just really kind of a, in the truest sense of bon vivant. Like, a, I, th- I think he always enjoyed his life. He invited me to his house. I went to his house for a meal before we even started shooting and met Christian, uh, his oh, son. his son, sure. Um, who had just gotten out of prison and was living with him. And it was just fascinating. It was fascinating to be around him. I'm sure you heard the stories about it. he had those there what kind of kind of dogs are like some sort of like Filipino hound that he had two of them and they were trained. He would just give them commands and like clicks and whistles and mumbles and and these dogs were intense. Like he could get them to do such precise kind of aggressive but then passive sort of commands it was really fascinating to be around him at his own home
0: yeah i'm really jealous that you got to meet him he's one of the guys i never got to meet um so we we talked to henderson before to get back to ufc uh do you have any predictions for uh bisping henderson this weekend you know
4: bisping looked uh pretty remarkable i thought uh who was it that he fought last luke lockhold yeah yeah when he won the championship um, I thought he looked amazing because I think Luke Rockhold is like, a, you know, a legend in the making and Bisping, you know, he gets so much grief for, you know, talking so much shit, but then I thought that he was remarkably gracious in defeat and, and, and I thought sincerely so. And I kind of like, oh wow, you know, Bisping's a, he's not just a blowhard guy who can fight one, you know, ultimate fighter. He really, he's the real thing. And cause I do think Rockhold is a monster. Um, in that weight class, he you beat know, Chris Dan Henderson pretty solid. That's yeah, a, that's he beat a, the I mean, brakes off. Of Chris are Wyman. they about the same age?
1: No, Henderson's got about ten years on yeah, him. I and I thought Spring's he was a there. little Bits bit.
4: thirty-seven. Yeah, I thought that uh, Hendo was a little bit older. But man, Dan Henderson hits. He hits hard, and he's got a good. He's got a good ground game. I mean, he's a pretty well rounded guy, right?
0: Yeah, he's a really. I mean, I've
4: seen him fight. I just haven't seen him lately. Yeah, yeah he's like a, a like a
1: different generation guy. It's like he, That's what he's I from a time when it was like the wrestlers were just wrestlers, the boxers were just boxers, and he's came up evolving with the sport. It's pretty amazing, you know. And I, I co-host a show with Michael Bisping on XM. so oh, nice. I'm, I'm pretty biased um, in the fight. But it's pretty amazing. You, you watch a guy like Dan Henderson, Randy Couture was another example of that. Who they. Went through different evolutionary changes with the sport, and they're still able to compete with these young dudes, the best of the best. Whether they win or lose, you know, it's inconsequential. I know Henderson's gone three and six in his past few fights, but it's it's all it's against all killers. He's like the Peter North of MMA. You
4: said, but you he that's right. He beat Chris Weidman in in his last fight, right? Uh, Rockhold did.
0: Luke Rockhold. Oh, but
4: who did Dan Henderson uh, beat? Hector Hector Lombard Lombard. with an elbow. Hector Lombard. Okay, yeah, with an elbow.
0: Hector Lombard is a monster, and the fact that Henderson knocked him out—I
4: mean, I I saw that. That fight, I did. I, I mean, and I thought it was remarkable. And that of course, got him this all fight. Like, Dan Henderson. You know, probably man. on the verge of retirement, comes back. You know, and, and you know what I mean. Like those are the great heroic, you know, go, you know the gladiator stories. But of those two guys, I don't know, man. Bisbing looked pretty amazing against Rockhold. Yeah, and I, and again, I thought he was very gracious in 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 winning with, with Rockhold because I don't know, they both felt on a personal level that there was a lot of dis- disrespect yeah. leading up to it. And then didn't a, after and I don't think it? that Luke was as gracious as Bisping. Yeah, right? Luke was pissed. Yeah, he was he was pissed. Yeah. Luke was very pissed off. Um I,
0: I, yeah, and then they got into it a little bit at the press conference yeah, or something Bisping. like that. Fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, Bisping,
1: <laughs> Bisping called him a faggot. That yeah. wasn't good. Did he really? Wow. He got in no trouble for it. It was you know what it was though, because he said it in the heat of the moment he he very obviously wasn't you know gay bashing yeah, he just yeah. he's a fucking British guy right. you, you know it's it's just the way you grow up we're we're all a little bit older, so no that that word doesn't have the same you know, type I, of when way. I was a
4: kid in South Texas, we didn't even know that it meant really it was a directly connected thing to being a homosexual, yeah, we didn't now I'm older than Michael bisping by a long shot, but I mean there it culturally. There, and I say this with all apologies. I, you know, It's just where I was raised and, and the kind of people that I was around. You, you did. You shot that out as an insult. But it was really more about somebody being weak or being a If, sissy, if my buddy didn't want to see the same movie talking,
0: as me, yeah, that's what
1: I'd call him.
4: Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I knew it had a connection because my one friend caught me blowing my other friend, and that was what he yelled at me. <laughs> 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 <So> I, <laughs> I don't
4: know. I, I remember the monster train. Right? <laughs> The monster
0: rain story. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I was referencing. Wow, mon- Dad, you go way I remember
4: back. it was like the monster rain uh, stand that up special. I was like, and I had no idea that Jim was going to go down this road. <laughs> I <laughs> Never saw it coming. But yeah, but, but uh, no, I you know again, I but I, I like let's face it, in today's society, it's it's an unforgivable slur. And, and yeah, I thought that Bisming did sort of backpedal away Well, he did. He apologized right away. He He, he
1: literally, he said it and then he went, oh man, I'm I'm so sorry, man. I shouldn't have said that. That just slipped out. And I think it was just, he literally did what they would have called for him to do the next day anyway. Yeah. He just immediately apologized, immediately called himself an idiot. So nobody really gave him any shit for it. And he had just not won the Daniel. UFC title now. now really? Yeah,
0: I think the difference is that people can sense that like, oh I just something stupid yeah. slipped out. That yeah. doesn't make you, you know, I kinda like that people didn't give him shit for it. Because I always so hate when I. people go after you, when you say something in the heat of the moment. It's not like you're 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 actually writing a blog or you're writing a timepiece and going, this is how I feel. Here, you know, when you fire something out stupid in the moment, and you go, Oh, fuck, that was dumb, no, no. you know. But I'm looking forward to this. Who's on the who's the co main of this fight? Is uh Vitor Belfort against uh Mousasi. Mousasi? Yeah, yeah, that's that's also going to be a great fight.
4: Wait, Musashi, yeah, that's who he's fighting. Yes, that's a good fight. That's man. a really good fight. I, I think Musashi's terrific. And I, I mean, you know, Vitor's you know, a lead. These guys are all see to me because I, I've been watching it for so long. I admire the guys that have the longevity and. Regardless, ultimately down the road, I don't really give a shit what they're, like, what is, I mean, Nate Diaz has got, like, what is he, like, 20 and 11 or, you know, yeah. I don't really give a shit about that. Right. It's just, if they're all just absolute warfare, that's all I remember about him. I don't really remember who Nate Diaz I lost think you're to right. 10 years ago. I think you're right I think about that. he's got, like, he's, like, 20 and 11 or 21 13 and 11. Or
0: 11, maybe it is. is. Who has 13? Oh, I'm thinking of, uh, oh, God. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, geez, he just lost championship. Fucking, uh. Oh, Alistair Overeem, I think yeah. has like thirteen losses. But.
1: Yeah, same thing with uh, what's his name?
4: I, I'm Can gonna you... ask you that then. What did you guys think about the the Mark Brown? Uh, uh, not what's
0: guy that fought? Um... Mark Hunt Lesnar?
4: Yeah, Mark Hunt and Brock Lesnar fight. What did you think about? That?
0: I love. Well, I was screaming like a girl for Mark Hunt. <laughs> I love Mark Hunt. I don't hate Brock, but I love fucking. Those... But that
4: was a legit. Brought came brought his game and won legit, but yeah. then wasn't Brock, he did right? Didn't he test? He didn't uh, knock positive? him out.
0: No, he, he smothered him. Didn't he test positive though? Yeah, he did. He did. Oh, oh, so he right, tested he positive. So um, Hunt was furious. I'm a big Mark Hunt fan because that big New Zealand fist. Man, do I like him. Oh yeah, yeah he's
1: another guy him. with like an 11 and 10 record or something yeah. like that. Ellis all those, those guys old guys school him. guys, they do
4: right. They love him.
1: Yeah, all those old school guys that have been around for a long time, especially in those like old school Pride matchups. They used to do Pride Grand Prix where they would fight multiple times in. A night, different yeah. weight classes. So I think what you're talking about, though, that not caring about their records is inherently what's amazing about this sport. And this is why it's not boring like boxing, is that. At any given moment, it's the any given Sunday factor. Anybody can get knocked out, choked out. They can lose a decision. There's so many upsets that are happening in the sport right now that it makes you constantly on the edge of your seat while you're watching it. If you blink, dude, how many times, how many fights do we watch? How many times do I blink? A lot. (laughs) But you turn to your buddy to say, hey, get me a soda or a beer or whatever, and then the fight's fucking over, and you got to watch it on replay. It happens way too often, but I think this is why it's such an exciting sport. Oh,
0: yeah, God. it's like Miocic. Like He fought against uh, Overeem and he beat him, but he got knocked down. Like That was shocking to me yeah, that, yeah. that Alistair could... I mean, you and then it uh,
4: wasn't Overeem bitching that he thought that they should... That he, oh. that, yeah, he was that, wrong, that he They he, said that he... That 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 was that so uncomfortable. He, had tabbed,
0: right? he was he had gotten knocked out and Joe Rogan said we shouldn't interview fighters right after they get knocked yes, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Joe wasn't trying to fucking throw him under the bus. He had to go through because he thought maybe Alistair was right and uh, Alistair was just mistaken. Well, the second or the third out.
1: time that they did the replay, they probably could have just avoided that one. I think they were
0: just looking for a different angle. I think Joe is already into yeah. it. And he's like, let's just see if there's something to it. Like he didn't want to hear that kind of accusation unanswered. That's a very serious accusation mm. to a guy who just, you know, protected his, uh, defended his belt. So you know, if you make that accusation, it better be accurate. You know, and I like Miocic a lot. I don't know who's going to fight next. I'm talking a lot, too much coffee. Um, <laughs> so what else would you say about your show? Because again, what I saw of it, I regret not seeing all of it. It was really well acted, man, and it was very interesting. And there's mm-hmm. a few things that happened immediately. I did not see coming, so it's very fucking unpredictable from like the moment it starts. Um, and it's funny, you know. And it's funny. We, I,
4: I mean, we try to balance. I had worked with Sarah Jessica Parker several years ago, and we had a great time. We had a really fantastic time promoting the movie. And she called me at the beginning of 2015 and said, "Would you, you know, please read this and 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 just let's have a conversation about it." And I don't know if you know her. I know. Very man. gracious, very generous, just a delight to be with and to work with, and. I just thought it was a very interesting, I haven't been through myself personally divorced. My mother was divorced, but I was too young to remember it. Um, I've had sisters get divorces, you, you know, and friends. And I just thought it was a really interesting examination uh, of, of that sort of, wh- whether it's tragic or beneficial to a marriage or to a family. I just thought it was a very unique examination of what these people go through. And we just, <clears throat> we try to make it as authentic a human experience as we can. And we don't look for buttons and, and, and don't look to like punch it up. We just want, and, and SJ's an excellent storyteller in her own right. And it was just, let's just, however we can make this to come together in a, in a great kind of, I keep saying authentic, if we could just weave it together where, and I don't ever prepare for this shit differently. You know, the comedy, it's just got to come out the way that that guy would, would, would deal with those circumstances. Yeah. And the same with the dramatic moments. I just wanted to be like a guy that I'm living inside of. And, I, and I've and i been doing that. You know, in the 90s, I did Wings and, and Ned and Stacey, and they were the very formulaic 90s sitcoms. And, you, you know, I mean, everybody's had some experience watching that television. And it's, it's great in its own, but it has it, its own period. I don't know, maybe we're cycling back to it. I don't really watch that much network television. But HBO... It's it's a real premier channel. I think I, I think they they always have been and and still are today.
0: And, they keep an unpredictable cadence as opposed yes. to formulaic. Yeah, seconds, I mean, you, you look know. at
4: I, the show that's on after us is Insecure, and I've heard it's outstanding on, and you know, and Westworld and Girls and you know the programming, even stuff that ultimately doesn't work out, like Flight of the Concords or the brink or. Lucky you know, Louie. The, yeah. <laughs> Lucky Louie. Damn it. Well, although he's done well for himself. He, he sure brags has. about Without living Jim. in the Dakotas.
0: Any project that I'm not involved with does well. I really am cancer I'm on Louis' HBO show. It gets canceled. He fucking leaves me in the dust. It's it's an, a critical darling. <laughs> Change
1: television. I
0: really am. My name should be Springboard Norton. <laughs> Stink.
1: I think it's interesting you're talking about HBO because it really has become I mean, just in the past few years, and I think especially since they started doing the HBO Go to compete oh, with yeah. Netflix. Oh, yeah. The 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 quality of programming that HBO has put out has become like in my opinion the industry standard. Like I will give almost any HBO show a chance now just because they they, they nail it almost every single time. Have you know cuz you guys are premiering this sun, oh, Sunday night. Yeah. Sunday night, yeah. Have you um in terms of like the promotional push, do they give you any type of feedback about how people are receiving the show so far? Cuz I did watch oh, yeah. the pilot.
4: I thought it was great. Really funny. Thank you. Yeah, no, we, no, we do. I mean, the, the TCA, uh, the critics tour is at the end of July and I, you know, I don't know, I did 200 interviews while I was there for the TCA. And then since then, throughout August and September and, and even this week, I've done a lot. I mean, I've been doing interviews every week and, and it, it, it they seem to be ingenuous, you know, the, the reaction to the show. It, 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 I mean, I'm mean, going to say everybody is just gurgling and bubbling with enthusiasm and love. But I would say that for the most part they they everybody seems to be enthusiastic and appreciative of what it is. And she's her own trademark. Yeah, of quality. She really is. I mean, SJ, a movie star career, a, a t- giant. There was nobody bigger than her in Sex in the City. There was yeah. just nobody bigger it than This almost feels her. like a like a, almost like a continuation just because it's her
1: and now it's like an older woman who's being divorced. Right. You can almost I, I'm assuming the fans can almost like imagine it as that character's and, Evolve. and some and
4: some and some big critics have talked about it the, the 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 variety review that came out last i think it was last week early maybe it was earlier this week but the revi- the variety review kind of specifically commented on that while they they're mutually exclusive you can ne- she it's she's always sort of indelibly linked to to Carrie Bradshaw and that show but at the same time it, it's a whole nother world in another time it's 15 years later In in the, in the, in the, really in the life of another woman who just happens to look a lot like Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah. Yeah. They did
0: a Rolling and I, again, I'm not big on lists, uh, but they did a Rolling Stone top 100 TV shows. And uh, number two was The Wire, and number one was The Sopranos. So HBO's reputation for having great shows. They they don't, they very rarely, even shows. They bring
4: back a lot of the same actors, which I think is. Michael K.
0: Williams is a fucking Wire, Boardwalk Empire, The 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 Night night of. of. Wow. Oh, yeah, the Tremendous. guy with the scar? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a great
4: actor, yeah. That guy had one scene in 12 Years a Slave, and it's one of the most memorable moments when the guys are coming down to take the woman up to rape her, and he just stops him, and the guy immediately just shanks him. It's just like oh, he's right. literally in the movie for five minutes, and he's just so, just searingly memorable.
0: I forgot he I that. think
4: he's brilliant. I really, I hope to get to meet him at... I don't know, like a, a HBO cocktail mixer?
0: Yeah. I've, Isn't that what they call them? They do, yeah. <laughs> cocktail I, mixer? I've seen him at those things, and uh, <laughs> I, had, I had dinner with him one night at one of those things. Not that he, he was just chatting with me. I just kind of followed him with my plate inside yeah. of the table, so all of a sudden we're having... Basically, he was having dinner while I stared <laughs> at him. But uh, he was in the... I supr- did
4: the same thing with Mike Tyson at a charity event. I just followed Mike Tyson around. (laughs) And eventually it was like, listen, man, you know, you're really starting to bother me. Did he say that? He's really 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 starting to bother me. I can't do him either. Did he really say that to you? No, not at all. Oh, okay. okay. He was (laughs) incredibly polite. (laughs) Incredibly polite. I've been a huge Mike Tyson fan from the moment I saw him knock the shit out of somebody in like the junior trials for the Olympics, like on ABC at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, for the junior Olympic trials. And I saw him just knock the fuck out of somebody. I'm like, that guy, and he had that scar. I'm like, that guy is money because that scar is money and that hook, that fucking left hook is going to just earn him millions. Have you seen
0: uh, Undisputed Truth? Oh, yeah. Yeah he's, yeah. yeah, he's doing the live show in Vegas. I'll plug Tyson right now. Uh, at the MGM, he's doing the live but show. With the Spike Lee, the, the yes. Broadway
4: directed thing. Yeah. It's updated. I though. saw, I mean, I saw the, the
0: when it was on HBO, I think it was on, yeah, H- it was on, it HBO. on HBO, yeah. 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 He it in a comedy club now because he's working on to it. It's really fun. His timing.
4: His timing is just on the money now. Yeah. Would you see him live if you could? I probably would. Yeah, it's I probably good. would it's just really in the hopes so I could say hi to him. Oh yeah, know, you'd be get okay. backstage and like, yeah. hey Mike, how's it going? Yeah, he we'll was, take a trip. We'll go. He was a ba- he was a bad actor in the
1: first the movie that he was in. Um, hangover. Hang- he was really bad.
0: <laughs> he was so bad as Lewis like, J Gomez saying that. I disagree. <laughs> I said I thought Mike was very good in that film.
1: <laughs> but I mean, he really has come a long way because I watched the the one man show on yeah, HBO he's terrific and in. he like he nails it. And in. I was like, I remember watching him in the Hangover go. Like, yeah, this guy can never be an actor because he he takes you out of the movie. He's really? just so obviously delivering lines. But uh, like, yeah, dude, he's he's come such a long way. It's
0: really funny. Well, that's not fair to say about a heavyweight champ. That's like saying, you know, Ernie Shavers, he was a terrible player of jacks. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a terrible fucking Yes, but nice don't put him in a movie. So Shavers. I talked about him the other day, no one knew who he was. And now Ernie oh, Shavers yeah. Were you here that day? No, Matt no. Sarah was here. I
4: remember uh, when Ernie Shavers fought Muhammad Ali. Yep. And that must have been seventy-seven. Th- yeah, maybe a- it- could So I was thinking seventy-five, you seventy-six, might have been right. somewhere in there. Yeah,
0: Let no one knew who he was. Matt
4: Sarah didn't know who he oh, was. You had a thunderous
0: right, hardest heavy, yeah. h- hitter ever. They thunderous say.
4: right, hit harder I mean, than knock the fuck out of people.
0: Yeah, they said he hit harder than, uh, but, he,
4: but he he would gas out. He it wasn't that kind of the thing. He was his rep is that he just couldn't go the distance. Yeah, I, I'm sure he would. Somebody that was way more, you know, and a lot of those guys that came up in those, in that era. I mean, Larry Holmes and and Leon Spinks, and those guys are just, especially Leon Spinks. They they really were great. Kind of, you know, he was a great pugilist. Leon Spinks. Well, and Holmes, Michael Spinks.
0: Is, Holmes is. Uh, they just couldn't jab. hit hard. They Holmes, just couldn't hit very hard. But Holmes's jab was a fucking beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said his jab was like a fucking. I met Larry Holmes kicked.
4: when I was a bellman. I met him once. How him was in. he? He was great. He was great. He didn't say much. He was very, you know. He, he had a speech impediment also.
0: He does, right? Yeah, I thought he, he does. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he did.
4: But I, and he was a lot bigger than I thought he would be. He was like 6'5". Yeah. He's a big dude. But it was when he was the heavyweight champion, and he came to Dallas for some promotional thing, and he stayed at the hotel, and I was in the rotation and checked him in, and he had a lovely entourage. But I had supper one time with Don King. at uh, It was Tyson and... It was in Philadelphia, and it was on Fox, and it was Tyson's first fight after he got out of prison. Oh, wow. That's against that white guy. Buster Mathis Jr. And uh, He knocked him out in five rounds. And uh, Frank Bruno sat right next to me. And after Ty- when Tyson was coming in, they were just screaming at each other. And then after Tyson knocked him out, he was leaving, and they were screaming and lunging, and Frank Bruno was right next to me. In this gigantic blue jacket, and I mean, like bumping me, and I was like, "This is fucking great." Man. <laughs> Did they the fight
0: before or after that?
4: Uh, they fought after that. I went to that fight in Vegas. Tyson and, beat the uh, shit out of him. Yeah, he yeah. took him out pretty, pretty cleanly. Yeah. But Bruno was a champion. He was a champion. Whenever uh, they fought, I saw that fight. You
0: know what I t- saw Tyson fight a number of times. I never. I went to one boxing match. It was at Madison Square Garden. Fucking Louis called me one uh, Wednesday. He goes, what are you doing Friday? I'm like, I'm, I'm just doing a gig. He goes, well, do you, when you want to come see a boxing match at the Garden? He took me to see a G- uh, Gennady Golovkin fight. Oh, and I had triple G. I forget who he fought. It was like back in December, second row because again he got Louis seats. You know, Jim Norton would not have gotten Louis seats, and uh, it was really <laughs> fun to watch live. It's UFC is just better for me. I love it a lot more. But watching boxing live was enjoyable. He's I also
1: liked. one of the you know the biggest fighters. Triple G is somebody who has a lot of excitement. Amazing. I think that's like another reason why there was probably an energy in the air. Yeah. Um. Because you know MMA events compared to boxing events just through the roof, the energy in the room. And the it's, it's, yeah, at yeah. UFC event, yeah. it's fucking electric. They turn those lights down and yeah. then Bob O'Reilly kicks in um, for that like pre-show package yeah. they do, that highlight package. You
4: get goosebumps yeah. every single time.
1: And
0: Bruce Buffer makes it too. Don't you yeah. love Bruce Buffer? Oh, it's great. You gotta love Buff.
4: Yeah. No, yeah. I, 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 I look, I, I boxed a little bit when I was a kid. I never really got into it and I got in a little bit of martial arts here and there too when I was a kid but I just always, because it was the only thing available for so long, until UFC became a lot bigger 15 years ago, all you had was HBO boxing, man, and Showtime boxing. And it's just, I just love the sport of boxing. But UFC, it's just the convergence of all these great warrior arts, and it's just... I'm gonna take it every time now. Yeah, I love boxing. it,
0: man. I can't watch. Boxing Not every anymore.
4: time. G, Triple G's a fucking beast. I
0: might watch, but they don't give you the fights. We've talked about this so many times. This is why I like UFC. And people curse it and say, "Well, they they sometimes they jump fighters or they 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 jump weight classes, but they give you the fights you want to see. Yes, like unless yeah. the guy gets hurt, you almost always get them. And boxing almost never does it. And that's what's so frustrating. Right. And who else was in the studio? and know. I just Matt didn't know who Ernie Shavers was. Steven Thompson was here, Wonder Boy, and I think it was. Frankie Edgar none of them knew yeah, it Ernie Frankie Shavers I'm old I'm 48 none of them knew it I was fucking like oh god
4: I'm way older than you thank god I know who they are yeah it's fun to watch be, uh, I would be uh, I would be I would be prematurely stupid um, or post maturely stupid no I uh, that was I watched as many I know a lot of it was on HBO in the in the late 70s right. too. Uh, you know so and my parents subscribed early on in fact whenever my mom found I was doing an HBO series she was like Is there any way I can get a 40 year refund on HBO? That was my (laughs) first question. You know, old school mom, but... You forget it's been around that long. Oh yeah, like 74, 75, I think they premiered. But uh, no, but listen, Thanks for having me on. I'm starting the wrap-up for no good reason. No, no, no you're man. right. We actually have to no, leave I, it on
0: for 90 minutes. 90? F- no, 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 not with, not with you. No, no, with the whole show. Oh, the whole show. You were on about a half hour, and he just gave me the signal that you have to wrap up because yeah. you are the press. So we're going to close out the entire episode. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, you were awesome. Thanks, and, and, and your show premieres Sunday. What time is it? 10? I did H-
4: 10 on the East Coast. 10 are. o'clock
0: East. Uh, it's called Divorce on HBO with Sarah Jessica Parker. And, uh, you know, you won't need a a, a fucking, a, a password to get in like I had, which really fucked me royally. <laughs> but the, the good news is it annoyed me so much that I couldn't finish the pilot. It was mm-hmm. very, very good. Thank you. Really well acted. Very funny dialogue. And... Uh, I have I'm going to DC do to, to the Lincoln theater Friday night Lewis what do you got uh, the ninth uh, which
1: is actually this Sunday if you guys are in Lancaster Pennsylvania check me out I'll be at the Chameleon Club you can watch my show and then directly afterwards go home and watch divorced on HBO
0: oh you can do thank both. you I think that's great the amazing plugs. Part.
4: excellent plugs
0: I love when there's synergy with the plugs <laughs> all right see you guys on uh, next week thank uh, you yeah bye thanks
2: this has been a digital media production. Find your voice.